0: With regards to samādhi, the grounding and collecting of the mind, this will eventually develop into wisdom. So these two aspects of samādhi and banya wisdom, we don't separate them out. Because when, samadhi, when wisdom comes up, what that arises from is samādhi. So even though we call these things, these two aspects, different names, but they both depend on each other, we need samadhi in order for wisdom to arise. An example is of a mango, and when the mango is just a very small mango, um, it grows up and becomes a middle-sized mango and then a fully grown mango and then a partially ripe mango, and then a fully ripe mango. But we can't say that this is a different mango at each stage. It's the same one mango. And so it is with our practice as well. So Samadhi. Um, what this is used for is suppressing the key laces. But the kilesas are still there, just like a rock that's placed upon grass. When samadhi withdraws, or when the mind withdraws from the state of samadhi, then the defilements will come up again. And the Buddha found this out himself. He was able to enter into very deep states of absorption, but he knew that when he came out of those states, the defilements would be right there again and he therefore realized that this wasn't the path that leads out of suffering. It was only when he contemplated into the Dhamma and saw clearly into the Four Noble Truths that he was able to destroy the defilements that were there in his heart. So with samadhi, sometimes we can do it and sometimes we just our mind just won't get into that state and that's normal. But we have to keep on putting in that effort because we need to have this foundation of samadhi in order to be able to contemplate well in a way that gives rise to wisdom. So this wisdom, when we refer to wisdom, what we're talking about is an all-round knowing in line with the truth of sankharas of conditioned phenomena. So there's the physical condition phenomena and there's mental condition phenomena. And rupa, or physicality, is anything that decays as a part of its nature. So we can see that when the temperature changes quickly, when the the weather goes from being very hot to very cool, then it's normal for the body to become sick because it can't adjust to that change in time. And so we can see that with every um, breath that we take, that breath comes in and it goes out. And so we can see there that that's kind of like the decay of the breath. But if we don't have much wisdom, then we won't be able to Observe these things with clarity. And there's attachment and self that will come up around this. Ego will arise. And we'll take these things as being me and mine. There will be upadana or clinging into all the forms of, uh, of body, of feeling, of perception or memory, of thought and of sense consciousness. And this attachment becomes the cause of stress that we feel. So when the Buddha gave his first sermon, what he was teaching about was this nature of arising and ceasing, and that whatever is of the nature to arise, that very thing is also of the nature to cease. And so when he said, um, what is, whatever is of the nature to arise, we can use that and just pick up any one thing. We can pick up anything involved with rupa, physicality, or any mental thing and contemplate into that. Into that. See that that thing is of the nature to arise and then when it's arisen, it ceases. Just like this pandemic that's been going around, and it's a very severe uh, disease or pandemic. But this having arisen, it will at some point uh, cease as well as a part of its nature. The most important uh, forms of sankhara, of conditioned phenomena that we experience are our bodies and mind. So we should get to know these well, know their arising and ceasing well. But if we don't uh, understand this, um, we don't see that their nature is to arise and cease, then we'll take everything that arises as a self. And why is that? Why do we believe in the selfhood of that so easily? It's because these things are continuous, that they, they happen in quick procession. So like this breath, it arises, it stays for a while and then it ceases. But the reason that we can't see into its changing nature and see into its impermanence is because it just constantly happens. The breath constantly comes in and goes out. We should investigate to see that these bodies are a heap of pain and suffering. And we know that if we sit for a long time and we don't change our posture, then there'll be great pain that arises in the body. And like if we lie down as well, any posture that we take, uh, we try to stand for a long time or walk for a long time. um, We just can't do it after a while because the pain is so intense. So dukkha, uh, suffering, another way of phrasing that is uh, things that are difficult to endure. And so, at the moment, many people have to stay uh, trapped in their houses for a very long time. And it's difficult to endure that. Our minds find that a very unpleasant experience that uh, requires a lot of uh, forbearance. So having a body in just one place for a long time, many people haven't trained to do that. But with this crisis that's come up, then... People are trapped in their houses and they're not able to get out. And so there's suffering in both the body and the mind. So this dukkang is something that's difficult for us to endure. So the Buddha asked, um, physicality and mentality, are these a source of happiness or a source of suffering? And the five ascetics responded that uh, they're stressful, they're suffering. The Buddha then asked that which is stressful and that which changes, should we, is it appropriate to take that as being me or mine? And the five ascetics responded that it's not appropriate. So they were able then to see into the Dhamma. So these five ascetics saw clearly into the nature of physicality and mentality, and that in turn gave rise to emptiness into the mind an emptiness that came through attaining to the Dhamma. For wisdom to arise, there needs to be this basis, this foundation of samadhi there in the mind beforehand. So like Venerable Anya Kodanya, he had developed very strong, powerful samadhi. He, had, uh, he was able to get into very high states of uh, the arupa jhanas. And he had practiced as a rishi, as a hermit, for a long time, developing this this very collected, strong states of mind. So it wasn't then difficult for him to see into the Dharma and uh, attain to the Dharma when he turned his mind in that direction. Because he had developed all of these, these paramis, these spiritual qualities, before, He'd already trained uh, a lot in this. so for us, we need to prepare ourselves as well. We need to train our minds. We need to develop Samadhi every day. And why is that? It's because sankhara's conditioned phenomena are of the nature to decay. and if we don't change, if we don't train, then when we experience illness and sickness, when our bodies are filled with suffering then we won't have any refuge for our heart. So we prepare ourselves now through this bhavana, the cultivation of our minds. And when we experience uh, headaches or earaches, things like this, we can see that this is the Dhamma arising for us. And uh, it's a great opportunity to contemplate, to see into the nature of the changing of sankharas, to see how they're not sure, to see how... They're a source of uh, stress and they're not self. So when we see into this nature of uh, change in the sankharas, then we'll be able to draw out the attachment that we have for them and wisdom will arise. And we practice this path of Samatha, of calming meditation and Vipassana, insight meditation, together. And we shouldn't have any doubts about that. We're very fortunate in this life to have met with this path, this noble path, and it's the noblest way that there is. And the reason that we're able to meet with this is because the Buddha had put in all the work beforehand. It's like he's the owner of a fruit orchard. And he'd put all that work into clearing out the land and planting the trees, taking care of the trees. And for us, all we have to do is walk along and pick the fruit and eat it. We didn't have to put any of that effort into planting or into watering those plants. So the Buddha is the one who showed us the way. And it's not easy to have that, to have someone who comes into this world who's able to point the way out of suffering. And most people who are uh, here in this world, they're they're not interested. They're not prepared to to engage in this path that leads out of suffering. So how then are they going to free themselves? These minds of ours are of great importance, and we do need to train them because the well-trained mind leads us to happiness. It's a source of happiness and it's also a source of wisdom. So we develop this practice and there are some very uh, exemplary lay people who do this. They, some wake up at 3 a.m. and sit meditation and sit all the way until 6 a.m. Many lay people chant every day. And there are some who do this chant of Itipiso, the recollection of the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. And they chant that 108 times uh, for two rounds every single day. So we need to seek out the time and the opportunity to develop this practice. Most of us have generosity as something that's just a habit for us. And this is a, a very praiseworthy uh, thing to, to, to have as uh, nature, you know, to, to be generous people as our nature. And the Buddha, he uh, had developed this uh, to a very high degree himself, developed a great uh, sacrifice. And he was willing to sacrifice everything in order to raise up the level of his mind and uh, cultivate these paramitas so that he could become the uh, fully awakened Buddha. He developed this dana parami the perfection of generosity, sila-paramī, the perfection of morality, and kanti-paramī, the perfection of uh, patient endurance. And throughout... All of his lives he had a lot of things that he needed to endure. And there was one life in particular that he uh, built up this perfection of patient endurance. So he was a recluse uh, living outside of the city of Varanasi, staying in the park of the king of Varanasi. And there was one day that many of Uh, the king's followers and retinue, they went to listen to the Dhamma of uh, this recluse. And the king was wondering why it is that the palace was so empty. And so he asked, where where's everyone gone? And when he found out that they had gone off to listen to the Dhamma of uh, this recluse, the Buddha at that time, he was very angry. So he went to the Buddha, the Bodhisattva, and asked, what quality is it that you praise the most? And the Bodhisattva replied that it's the quality of kanti, of patient endurance. So the king then had him caught and, uh, and had him tortured. And they cut off one of his fingers. And the king then asked him, What quality is it that you praise the most? And the Bodhisattva answered again, it's this quality of patient endurance. And so they cut off another finger. And the Bodhisattva said that um, this patient endurance, it's not in the finger, it's in the heart. So they carried on torturing him. They cut off his nose, they cut off his ears, and there was a lot of blood that spilled out of his body. The, Buddha, uh, the, the king had created such severe karma uh, by doing this that he plunged into the earth and went straight down to the lowest hell realm, into a Viji hell realm. And the Bodhisattva sa- uh, suffered so much uh, blood loss and so much damage to his body that he also passed away. So we can see just how intent he was on this practice, on developing his perfections, that he was willing to do that until he died uh, because of it. So for us, we we offer our praises and our homage to this fully self-awakened Buddha. And the best way that we can pay homage to the Buddha is to practice following his teachings. And when we do this, then we in turn will turn will become savaka buddhas, uh, those who are awakened following the teachings of the Buddha. And we can do this, it's something we don't have to doubt about. So we engage in this practice in an even manner, and always be uh, focused and intent on it, developing merit and goodness, because this merit is something that will benefit us in this life and also something that we can take with us into the next world as well. So we then build up this goodness and build up uh, um, perfections as well. And it's natural that uh, these will vary between people the different people's barami uh, won't be the same. And just like the great disciples of the Buddha, they um, were different in this way, that they'd developed and focused on different perfections. But when they attained to the Dharma, they didn't have any attachment towards that. So like Venerable Sivali, he had uh, donated a lot and uh, made the causes uh, to get many requisites in his last life. And so he changed his robes very often. Just in the space of a day, he would change his robes many times. And then there's Venerable Mahakasapa, who took up the practice of only using the three robes that he had. And they were rag robes as well. And he wasn't uh, afflicted by that practice in any way. And so the uh, bharami that these two uh, great disciples had built were different So for us, we develop goodness and we develop our bharamis in line with the energy that we have. Whether it's uh, dana bharami, sila bharami, all of these are uh, form into this path of practice of sila samadhi and panya. We should always have our awareness there centered in on our minds, knowing what's going on and devoted to training our minds and lifting up their level. You can ask ourselves, where is it that our minds are getting attached to? And then we go and instruct ourselves from that. We guide our minds um, and tell them that these things that we're attached to, it's not sure, it's not self. If the mind is getting into liking over something, we tell our mind, hey, this isn't self, this isn't sure. If it's getting into disliking, we tell our minds, this isn't sure. We keep on instructing and uh, training our minds in this way and in the end wisdom will arise and our minds will then be able to let go. And when we carry on practicing, we'll eventually reach the point where our minds are ready enough to be able to see and understand the Dhamma. So may all of you be sincere in this way of practice.